Movies by Minutes, project number five. It's Silverado this time, that's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Best saddle up now kids, cause here we go. Howdy, and welcome back to another episode of Silverado Minute Podcast, where each week, Movies by Minutes hosts, such as us, examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western, Silverado. One minute of screen time per episode. And today, the fellows from the Marvel Events Timeline Podcast are here to talk some Silverado, talk some cowboy stuff. Uh, so I am Brian Lockhart, and with me is my co-host for Met, or Mar- you know, Met for short, you know what the cool kids say. It's Travis Bow. Welcome back, Travis. Hello there. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for you know, thanks for potting with me once again. Always. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So we are on minute twenty. This is uh, some more fallout from Mal trying to get a drink. So it starts off with him being told not here, and it ends with a question of basically what's going on here. So, um, what do you say we kind of jump into the minute and figure out what's going on here? It's interesting to see this proprietor safe behind his bar. Here is where Danny Glover looks like a big guy, towering over this proprietor who is refusing to to serve him. And he knows that, I, I guess he has these three guys who will back him up, gives him confidence, I, I suppose. He he looks pretty pathetic here behind the bar, standing up to Danny Glover, Mal. Yeah, he, he's he's a tough guy, you know. He's he's standing behind, like you said, he's he's standing from a position of authority, I guess. He gets pretty smug in this minute, you know. He gets his comeuppance as well. Oh yeah. He more or less says, you know, yeah, you're not welcome here. You know, which to me is terrible business practice. Sure, <laughs> money's money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and they've already got his money, so. Well, that's true, actually. So that now he's a thief. Yeah. So these guys, right on cue, as you said, they got the proprietors back. They already weren't were suspicious, or not maybe suspicious in the right word. Uh, they weren't thrilled with Danny Glover being there, with Mal being there. Now they got their excuse. He was asked to leave. They didn't give him hardly any time to leave. Right. And they got right up, and they're going to make sure he leaves. We get Dick Durock, whatever, you know, he, he leans against the bar, so he doesn't look quite as big. But yeah, like, I mean, Danny Glover's as tall as him. Yeah. He's bigger than the other stuntman. Of course, he towers over the proprietor, Carter. For whatever reason, one of those guys doesn't get up. Yeah. He still have drinking his coffee. Yeah. And I thought that was a little weird. I mean, I guess maybe he's just not as big of a jerk as those other two, you know? I, I don't know. He just stays there. The script calls that out, actually. I was yes, reading through this through the script, and- it says, back at the tough men's table, the third man pushes back his chair as if to rise. Emmett has just picked up a chicken leg. Now he waves it ever so slightly at the third man. Stay out of it. The man looks at Emmett and Payton, then settles back into his seat. And it's funny because if you look at the minute as they get into the fight where the one guy cocks his hand back and ends up punching his friend... Um, it cuts back to the ta- uh, the table is in the background, and you can see that third man start to stand up. And then the next time the camera is positioned here, he's sitting back down drinking his coffee. They probably filmed it. It just didn't make the 
the cut. You know, I I like I like it on the page. Yeah, right? I actually think it would have been a pretty cool scene if they left it in the movie because it kind of just shows that like Emmett isn't somebody to mess with, right? Sure. Is all he's got a chicken leg and he's like, ah, <laughs> don't do it, <laughs> yeah. don't do it. Because I think Scott Glenn is is personable in this. Like he's like seems like he's a decent guy, but he's also one of those guys where you just take a look at him and you know don't mess with him. I actually feel that way a lot about Kevin Klein's character. Mm. He's a nice dude. Uh, he wants to do the right thing. He's charming, but he gets that stare a few times in the movie where you know he's he's He'd cold. Done some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, I'm peaceful because I can do violence, mm. you know, that type of thing. And Emmett's the same way, though. I, I mean, yeah. Emmett is he's good. I watched one of the behind-the-scenes featurettes on the DVD, and I forget the guy's name, but he was a classic. He was an older man by this point, but he was in every Western, every you know TV show of a Western, and he was one of the fastest guns. Uh, he was like a technical advisor, and he taught. These guys, you know, how to draw their weapons and all that. Scott Glenn practiced and practiced and practiced, and he was just, like, way into it. And he's like, yeah. was that fast? Was that fast? <laughs> <laughs> but even even uh, they said Kevin Klein called it out, though. He's like, ah, he goes, I'm right here. And he goes, I'll be able to draw. How you know how fast can it be? And then that dude was so fast, and he would, like, before Klein could even get to his, <laughs> his holster. Nice. You know, the dude had already drawn on him. You know, because there's a scene later where you see, like, Emmett practicing. Yeah. And it's just how. It's a good scene. And, they were like, that's him. Like, he's doing it. <laughs> like, so he was, he was good. Yeah. Like, so that would have been good for Emmett's character to have him just like, hey, don't do it, friend. Right. And the guy sits back down. Yeah, I would have liked that. Yeah. The reason why I like that is not in the movie, because in a way, it shows that like, you know, Mal doesn't need help to deal with these guys. Yeah. He takes out three guys by himself. He probably could have taken out that fourth one. Well, no, it's- So I like- Oh, yeah, yeah. You're counting the- the proprietor. The bar, yeah, yeah, the yeah. bar. Yeah. So he, he gets in fisticuffs with the two big guys. The two, you know, and then the other guy starts to come and, you know, he has a change of heart. Right. And you're right. You can see him clearly standing up and then they come back and he's drinking his coffee. Yep. So he's just enjoying the show. The, the nature of movies by minutes, we're going to notice things a little bit more than your average viewer that's just sitting down to watch the entire movie. But here, it looks, it's weird that the guy who was at their table didn't join in in the fight. Yeah, especially since you do see him speaking of standing. He's standing. Yeah. He's, there is yeah, a right. scene where you see him. And then you, they cut back and he's drinking coffee. Yeah, so so. Uh, it would have made more sense, yes, to have that. because. But I think it's enough to have that little cutaway of Peyton and Emmett kind of discussing what's what's happening or about to happen, yeah. right? And he's like, this doesn't, it doesn't seem fair. And he's like. For who, basically? Right. Like, which way do you see it? You know, which way do you figure? And that's that's just Emmett knowing full well that nah, I think this guy's got it covered, sure. you know? <laughs> and I do like when the the, the non-Dick Durick guy gets up and he starts, like, he's just scratching his, like, uh, his chin, like, yeah, we're just kind of up here, just kind of seeing what's going yeah. on. But then he moves his, his rifle out of the way, his uh, yeah. Henry Watt rifle. And, you know, we know it's about to go down. Sure. I wonder what would have happened if... If these guys had drawn weapons on against Mao, would Emmett and uh, Payton have gotten involved or, you know, come to to Mal's aid? You know, I, I really don't know. And that's an excellent question because it's something to really think about. We do know that Jake 
Well, that's that's actually a little few down, few minutes down the road. So maybe we'll just we won't, <laughs> I won't delve too deep into it. But but Jake definitely wasn't afraid to use his gun when needed. Yeah. And we'll learn that Emmett had already done some. Well, I think we already learned this early on that he's already done some time. Mm. So I don't know how eager he is to go back to prison. Sure. Even if it's justifiable. But maybe it would have been justifiable. Right. I, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Luckily, it didn't come to that. <laughs> and it was it's good old-fashioned fisticuffs in a barroom brawl. Yep. <laughs> I, I love the haymakers that Danny Glover <laughs> just throws. I mean, he's like. He's wailing. Uh, they're, they're, they're big Clint Eastwood haymakers sure. that I like to see. You know, I, like, I love that stuff. I love the use of this, this improvised use of uh, Dick Durant grabs the bottle, you know, does the classic break the, break the bottle using it as a, you know, bottle knife or whatever. And uh, Mal goes for this uh, naked lady statue that is, <laughs> it's holding two little plates of hard boiled eggs. When I first saw it and kind of caught it out of the corner of my eye, I thought it was like a, a lamp, you know, because you saw the, the figure of the lady and two like white orbs kind of in either hand. And I thought, oh, they're glass uh, bulbs, you know. But then even like reading the the script, it, it clearly points out that there's this carved, you know, naked lady figure holding, you know, holding these eggs and. So that brings me to like one of the things I wondered when it comes to this script and the the way the movie is shot. This script is so detailed. It almost feels like the script is written after the fact, like after they filmed it, after they used this this uh, lady prop as a weapon and holding of the eggs, that sort of thing. Like because if if that was all written down ahead of time, then then someone had to create this lady statue with the eggs or maybe it's something that existed it's just so interesting how like how detailed the script is for the most part it's shot for shot accurate so either Lawrence Kasdan was meticulous about this is what the script says this is what we're we're shooting you know you say the lines you go through the motions exactly as I have it written you know because even like like last minute when you you noted that the barmaid shrugged at the proprietor, that's written in the script. So it's like just every little detail is here in this script, and it, it just feels like it's so meticulous that I wonder at what point did the, this all get finalized? It's almost like it was storyboarded out, like on page. Yeah, I think it's on this behind the scenes featurette on the on the DVD. I thought they said that Kasdan likes to do about 17 different takes, whether it's okay. good or not. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was it. And, and I know that Costner was particularly upset about a later minute where he's like, man, this, you know, it took him a long time to get this one shot just perfect. And and then they finally did this awesome one. And he's like, well, come on, let's do one more because they got to <laughs> get the 17 in. And then he's like, duster blows up over his head. <laughs> and he's like, and that's the shot they used? You know, like, he goes, the other one was better. Why do we even have to film it? We had already got it. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's just that it's that level of detail. Mm. So, so you bring up the naked lady in the lamp. I always thought it was a lamp. I always thought okay. it was a lamp. It just seems like that. But did you notice right before he, he grabs it, when, when one of the jerks breaks the bottle and wants to stab him, Danny Glover or Mal, it's just so like, oh come on, like it's yeah. <laughs> like his reaction is just like, 
seriously come on i just want a drink yeah <laughs> you know, like i don't now i gotta deal with this crap and you know he improvises and adapts and overcomes just fine yeah. and it, and that's also when you notice like carter is so smug like he's like yeah you're about to get it yeah yeah carter's face throughout this is is he's very satisfied at what's happening up until a certain point yeah you would think that he would start getting a little more like he would also look like Mal mm. because his place is getting bro- busted <laughs> up and broken. Right. But he's not. He's just like, yeah, you know, you're going to get yours. Yeah. Which this guy didn't do. It. Well, I mean, we know why he's he's a terrible person. But, yeah. you know, it's like, man, all this guy wanted to do was give you money. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. What a jerk. Mal, you know, prevents that guy from stabbing him. Yeah. Carter goes for his, I believe it's a shotgun. The script calls it out as a shotgun. Yeah, that looks enough like a shotgun to me. Yeah, I, I think it's a double barrel shotgun, and Mal hits him with the hits the shotgun up and and sends him flying back. He's and of course he's using that statue. Yeah, I like the slick way that Mal uses the statue to initially to catch Dick Durock's arm, like when he's coming at him with the the bottle. He uses the the two upright arms of the lady to catch the thug's arm and get the the broken bottle away. And and maybe that's where this all starts with like, I want to have this fight. I want Mal to grab something that has a V shape that you can catch someone's arm in. So maybe that's like how it, in in the writing process, how does that become a lady statue? Maybe that's, that's how it was, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe someone saw a photo of like, oh, here's an old West bar and here's a, a uh, lady statue with uh, with golden eggs. How fresh do you think those eggs were? <laughs> I mean, they're hard boiled, and, and although they are just sitting out, they're not like right. in a jar of vinegar or whatever. The, the I typical, think the yeah. only saving grace is the fact that it is winter, <laughs> so maybe mm. it's cold in there. Yeah, but I don't know if I would trust those eggs. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably better that they went flying on the floor. <laughs> um, Peyton looks a little concerned in the background when. You know, like he's he's intensely studying this situation. So perhaps he is thinking, do I need to get involved with my weapons right. or, or anything, as you said? Like he, he's studying this whole thing. But after Carter gets smashed into his own inventory, if you will, in the, his shelving in the back, uh, we get something completely different. And it's now time <laughs> for something completely different. Yeah. Very, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you sir thank you <laughs> i i totally wrote that down ahead of time and <laughs> walks john cleese oh man he is uh sheriff langston i gotta tell you this is one of the first movies i've ever seen john cleese in so okay yeah i, I didn't realize that he was a funny british man i thought he was the serious uh <laughs> you know like i didn't know as a kid i didn't know who he was okay you know sure. i just knew him as sheriff langston yeah you know i i knew he was british clearly and I, and I I just did not know that he was a hilarious guy. Right. Of course, then I did see, I believe he was in a fish called Wanda, and that used to be on HBO a lot. Yep. So I and I think Klein was in that as well. So I was definitely aware of him. Uh, but then I was like, and then I discovered Python much, you know, as I got older. Yeah. My awareness of Monty Python, and seeing John Cleese in he was actually in the like ninety. 495 Jungle Book, like live action with Jason Scott Lee as, as Mowgli and, uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, Lena, Lena Hetty from Game of Thrones. But yeah, John Cleese was, was in that movie. 
So that was probably the first movie I ever saw him in. And that being around the same time that, that my folks made me aware of Monty Python and would show me clips of that and, uh, you know, showed, showed me, uh, oh, geez, what's the, the whole, Holy Grail, you know? So, yeah, yeah. That, that's where I discovered Python. My dad, uh, was insistent that I watch Holy Grail. <laughs> Actually, so when we first got, really first got like America online and, you know, access to the internet, like the first thing my parents did, they found out you could, you could find audio clips online. And so they just went and started finding these Monty Python, you know, just audio clips with no, with no uh, context. They were just clips from Holy Grail. So it would be like, bring out your dead, you know, you know, just clips like that. And they were, they were losing their minds laughing and trying to explain to me, this is why this is funny, you know? So that yeah. that led to, okay, we just need to set you down and, and let you watch some flying circus and the uh, Holy Grail and that, that sort of stuff. So I might be mistaken, but I believe my dad took my mother to see this movie, uh, to see that movie and she walked out. <laughs> he oh, thought it was man. hilarious and she did not. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up, I was much more aware of Benny Hill. Okay. Um, that was like, we used to, if you know, be on late. So sometimes when we had, a, I'd either get to stay up late or we'd uh, actually tape them. Uh, so it wasn't later. My dad's like, like Benny Hill, you might like some Python. Yeah. So we, we, again, we watched Holy Grail. And, but of course, uh, John Cleese would go on to be R in the James Bond movies. Of course, yeah. And I was a huge James Bond fan. I still am. Yeah. So yeah, I was happy to see him there. But by that point, I was well aware of his uh, <laughs> comedy yeah. background. So I th- I think he's, I mean, we get very little of him, but this sure. is his introduction. And even he's not in the movie a ton, you know. Uh, I watched the the trailer for the movie before I initially watched uh, the movie to do my set of minutes, and you know saw him in the in the trailer and thought, oh, okay, he's going to be in this movie, and, and you know he's in next week's, maybe the next two or three weeks. It's a good role. It's uh, it's odd that you know he's just <laughs> this British, and even the script here says calls out Sheriff Langston dressed rather elegantly in a suit and bowler. He dwarfs the man at his side, Deputy Kern. He surveys the scene as as the three injured men stir back to life. When he speaks, it is, surprisingly, with a British accent. So, <laughs> And he, what he, he says, what is all this then? What's all this then? Yeah. <laughs> they call, it does call it out later that he, you know, he basically is like, I'm not from around these parts, <laughs> you know? And, yeah, yeah. I think he even says, like, you may have noticed I'm not from, from around yeah. here or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I actually feel like there's a lot of people in this movie, and of course, they may have been a name at the time, which obviously John Cleese was, but they're, they'll they go on to be bigger names. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, like they're in the movie for a little bit and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they, they have little bits of like Jeff Fahey's in it, right. but he's not in it a lot, but he's in it throughout, yeah. you know, or uh, honestly, even Jeff Goldblum is, he's there and he, and he Features more as the, the the show goes on, but it's not like he's a huge role. Uh, right. Rosanna Arquette, even yeah, she's the one that just keeps appearing. But it's a small role, though, when it's all yeah. said and done. Yeah, but but again, she's a name. A lot of these people are names. Sure, there's a lot of hey that guy in this in this movie too, which I think adds to the 
for me, the the enjoyment overall of the film. Yeah, I think choosing to have Kevin Klein and and Scott Glenn as as kind of your leads is an interesting choice. You know, probably not your typical leading men. They probably weren't um, at the time, but it, it's an interesting choice, and I like what they do throughout the movie. I have problems with Payton's character throughout the movie. I think he's a little little more wishy-washy for my taste. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I and, and when I rewatched it this last time, I was like, come on, dude, you can do a little bit more than what you're doing. But I kind of go with his character. Like, I understand. He's like, I just don't want to be a part of this. You know, you know, he's just trying to stay out of yeah. everything. But then there's also, and I, you may want to cut this out if it's too spoilery. When he, he's obviously, they, they established that he is interested in Hannah, right? They, they make googly eyes at each other and they both end up in Silverado and he starts to talk to her and then she explains, well, I want a man who's going to stick around. And then like the next beat, he's, he talks to Emmett and says, I'm, I'm done with her. If you want to make a play for her, uh, go for it. You have my blessing. And that's the end of that, you know, it's like, why build up this relationship just to show us that Payton is not interested in, in being, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, the guy that she doesn't want to be a farmer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just an odd way to go about things. When we meet him, he's a nice guy, but maybe he's supposed to have a bit of a character arc where he has to finally, uh, he can't just not be bad. He has to do something good. Yeah. Staying, staying neutral isn't. Good enough. Yeah. Probably will leave this in to preview down the line. I will be back for another week. Mm. And there are some Hannah and Payton minutes that okay. come in. <laughs> yeah. I'll tip my hat a little bit of, I really think they were meant to be more of a love triangle between yeah. Scott Glenn and, and, and Payton and, and Hannah that I don't think materializes on the screen. And from the parts that I have looked at, it's a little bit on the page. So okay. it's just kind of one of those where there might be even more in the in the script that I didn't look into yet, yeah. or I probably won't. And I'll just wait and others listen yeah. to what others have to say yeah, about yeah. it, you know, because that's the whole point sure. of the, this this group project like that. I'm not going to do their work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you tell me. I'm going to listen. <laughs> I'm going to be entertained. So I do. I, but I've always felt that even as a kid, like it, it just seemed like all of a sudden she seemed in, interested in Emmett more than Payton, but I never thought she was really that interested in Payton. Yeah. But it's fine. The movie's good for what it is. Right. I mean, I love this movie. Let me just say, I love this movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Watching it for this project was the first time I'd ever seen it. Maybe I saw parts of it as a kid, but this probably, when my parents would have been watching it, you know, if I came in the room, I probably would have thought, oh, this is a boring Western, you know, because like certain (laughs) things about the movie looked familiar, but I couldn't say with any clarity that I, I had ever seen this. Um, so it's it's a fresh kind of watch for me, but I think it held up. I mean, it was enjoyable. There were, like I said, things I didn't care for. Um, another thing, I think Mal is the most interesting character, and I think his storyline is the most interesting to me. And I feel like it's the one with the least bit of payoff, you know, because he finds out like his family has been run off their land, and there's never really any resolution to that. So there's a little bit of that. I, I would have preferred some closure with that, but yeah, I I agree with that totally. I mean, they all get intertwined, obviously, yeah. with the overall yeah uh, story and the overall scheme. 
in their own way. And he does have a, I guess, a villain or or somebody to square off with. Yeah. Um, but the overall, this is early in the film. I'll temper my, my <laughs> thoughts about what happens later. Again, don't want to spoil too much about yeah. the movie. But yeah, I get what you're saying. And I do agree. And again, I think Danny Glover is excellent yeah. as Mal. He's got some of the best lines in this movie. Mm. Uh, my dad and I will will quote this movie often, and usually they're his lines. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is another one of those. My dad showed me this movie as a kid. Yeah, and it also didn't hurt that HBO played it like a hundred times a week. <laughs> sure. So, so you know, you just watch it. So, um, uh, but you know, I'm a big, huge Clint Eastwood fan. I love a lot of his westerns. But a lot of them don't hold up mm. the same way to this one does to me. This is definitely a rewatchable movie. Um, I forced my wife to watch it the other day. <laughs> <laughs> well, not actually, it was not that long ago I, I made her watch it. And I was like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to podcast about this here soon. We should watch it. And she's <laughs> like, you literally just made me watch it like a month ago yeah. <laughs> for fun. You know, before I even knew that we were doing oh, this. Oh, wow. <laughs> I said, well, you know, it's a great movie. She's like, you, you just go enjoy yeah. it on your own. <laughs> I, I had watched the trailer. My wife was, was in the room when I watched the trailer and said, yeah, I'm going to be talking about this movie. She's like, yeah, that's fine. I don't, she, she wasn't interested in watching it. So <laughs> I understand. Uh, honestly, Westerns aren't for everybody, yeah. but I love a good Western. You know, they got great music in this movie. Really, that really helps sell yeah. the film, I think, as well. Uh, we didn't even get into um, no. Brian Dennehy because oh, we don't yeah. see him, but he is excellent. I get, in this I, get movie. I get some good Brian Dennehy later on, so I'm 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 happy about that. I look forward to hearing that because yeah, he's he's great. In this. It's like he knows he kind of knows what movie he's yeah, in. You know, big time. Because <laughs> he, I don't I don't even want to get into <laughs> it. I'll just be talking all night long. So well, it's um. Do you got? Do you got? I mean, I you know we're, we're kind of all over the place at this point on this minute. So, do you, do you have any like final thoughts in addition to the final thoughts we just gave? Or, um... I mean, uh, as far as the the minute goes, no, I'm 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 good, and I, I feel like I've you know, in general talked about how I feel about the movie. So I I'm I'm good. All right, me too. Well. Luckily, we didn't get kicked out of our hosting duties here. I mean, I've been kicked out of worse establishments, that's for sure. You know, what do we say we get the heck out of here before we have to explain what the hell we've been doing? (laughs) Right. Let's uh, let's let the next next week's hosts uh, deal with the the cleanup here. So before we skedaddle, though, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us, Travis? So you can find uh, Brian and I over at Marvel Events Timeline, and we're going to be going through the timely... Atlas and Marvel Comics Universe, one event at a time. Just search Marvel Events Timeline pretty much anywhere you'll find us. Still kind of early days for us, so you can get in on the on the ground floor now and journey with us. That would be great. We'd love to have everybody. But after they do that, after you know, first go to Marvel Events Timeline and kind of get in the time stream with us, then go over to moviesbyminutes.com and check out the over 200 different movies by minutes uh, shows that are out there. There's a lot of good ones on there. I heard Watchmen Minutes really good. Oh, yeah? Never heard of it. Oh, you should <laughs> check it out sometime. I think my favorite is the Marine Corps Movie Minute <laughs> podcast. So. No, no. I think I think you had something with uh, Watchmen Minute. Uh, I, I think yeah. you're right. I think the <laughs> listeners should definitely check that one out. Do, do them both. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, there's some other guys too, you know, Star Wars Minute, Man, Man, Jones, whatever. 
you know, and of course, there's this show, the Silverado Minute Podcast, which is found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, over at their main site, the SilveradoMinute.com, or just SilveradoMinute.com. And if you'd like to find the show on social media, there is the Midnight Star Silverado Minutes Listener Saloon over on Facebook. And on Twitter, it's Silverado MXM. So again, I thank everybody for joining us. Travis, thanks for, for coming in. My pleasure. You know, normally we're we're talking about past events. I, we've just never gone this far back. Yeah. We're going to hand this off to the next crew and, and just join us back, you know, join them. Not us. <laughs> Join them back uh, for Minute 21 next week for Silverado Minute Podcast. Yeah!